0: Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore and on Twitter at p one You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther. Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion.
1: Well, welcome to the very first inaugural episode of the Beers and Bible podcast podcast. I am your host, Rick. And I am Patrick. And we are two basic fellows that basically enjoy basic things. Basic.
2: Very basic. Lee. Very basic.
1: <laughs> so, uh, can we use basic do, more? Let's, let's try to use basic as many times as we can during this episode. Okay. Okay, so uh, we have two things that we really enjoy, and one of those things happens to be beer, and the other thing happens to be the Bible. And we believe that the Bible uh, teaches a specific view about the consumption of alcoholic beverages, uh, and so for this inaugural episode, we are going to talk about what the Bible says uh, about alcoholic beverages, and we're going to do it while we drink a beer because we have that freedom in christ yes and so so we're going to do that so what this is what this podcast is going to do. Is we are going to review a beer, and it's going to be a very, very highly technical, uh, customized rating system that we have developed over the last like 30 or 45 seconds of time. This is very accurate, <laughs> and and so what you will learn through this podcast is that neither of us take ourselves very seriously. Uh, and, and the one thing that we do take seriously is the word of God. Absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to talk a, a little bit about beer. We're going to rate it. We have this rating system that we're going to use Luther's. And if you're familiar with the Bible and beer, then you're obviously familiar with Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer. So the very first beer, we're going to open up each segment with a, um, with a review of a beer. And the one that we have before us today is Southern Pecan by lazy magnolia from kiln mississippi uh, you can find them online if you search lazy magnolia brewery and they have like a lot of beers available um
2: yeah let's let's uh tell the listeners our very um meticulous choosing system system that we use to choose this particular oh, yeah. drink
1: so this, we almost spent as much time on the choosing system as we did the rating system we spent like 30 seconds on the choosing system, basically, we walked into a place that sells beer, a lot of different beers, and we walked up to a cooler, and we looked at one, and we were like, hey, that looks like a good one. Done.
2: Yep, that's pretty much how it went. A hundred percent. So,
1: it's it's so again, it was very basic. Um, yes, absolutely. This, this theme is going to run. We're going to use this, this word as many times as possible today. Uh, so, we're going to crack open our uh, Southern Pecans here from Lazy Magnolia and to to our credit we're going to try to get beers that we have never had before. Uh so so that when we are recording these episodes, we will you will get the initial like shock. It will be it will either be utter distaste or it will be amazing revelation from the heavens.
2: And hopefully it's amazing revelation from the heavens That's more true. often than not.
1: I've heard rumors of a pickle flavored beer that I'm not really interested in trying.
2: Oh really? That sounds that sounds like a good time.
1: <laughs> Maybe like no. Okay. Forty.
2: All okay. Right. So, um, so, just full disclosure here. I have not had this beer.
1: I have had one.
2: You had one. I had one. Okay.
1: I cheated. That's the fir- I cheated on the first episode, and
2: so, so let's just confess that right, right from the start. This
1: confession is good for the soul. And, and <laughs> I cheated, and I had one ahead of time, so I do know what it tastes like, and I'm gonna save. I'm gonna do my review second. I'm okay. going to go second. So, Patrick, you go first. Okay. And then I'll go second. Okay. So, here, here goes Southern Pecan Lazy Magnolia from Lazy Magnolia. Oh, wow. That's really good. And let's see here. Let's, I'm just going to read from from the bottle here. It says the original pecan nut brown ale. So, this is a brown ale. Mm-hmm. Also, let me uh, let me clarify. We don't know a lot about beer. Um, I know the name. I said that we
2: were not connoisseurs.
1: <laughs> That's right, we're very basic. So, uh, our our review is not going to be uh, this amazing thing. It's just going to be, hey, we like this, and I am going to give it this many Luthers. So, yeah. we're going to use Luthers as our as our rating. We're going to go one to five. Okay. So, so initial reaction, Patrick, w- what are you going to give Southern Pecan from Lazy Magnolia?
2: I think it's a solid four, four Luthers.
1: Solid four Luthers. Yeah,
2: on my end, it's not too uh, um, not too pecan-y. Okay, if that can be a word. Um, okay. There's a slight hint of pecan. I, I I was expecting like pecan pie flavored beer is almost what I was expecting. And that that's not what you get at all. That would probably be amazing. And we should get on that before <laughs> hey, someone Lazy else Magnolia, hears.
1: If you hear this, if you're listening, um, please make pecan flavored pecan pie flavored beer.
2: Also, Lazy Magnolia them. is not a sponsor. No, they're not. Not but, yet anyway.
1: But we want them to be. So again, Lazy Magnolia, if you're listening... <laughs> Please, please sponsor us. Um, but
2: I'd give that a solid four. It's not too bitter. Four um, Luthers? Okay. It's not, it's too, not too bitter. bitter. Um, just a just enough sweet to where it's, you know, it's obviously uh, a, something different. Yeah. Pecan flavored. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, I think a solid four. Solid four. I'm also going to give it uh, four Luthers, and, and I'm going to say that it is because of the flavor that I'm going to give it four Luthers. It, I feel like I could sit down... With a big juicy hamburger or a big juicy steak, and drink this with my dinner of meat and potatoes. Uh, very, very much like Ron Swanson. Although I don't think Ron Swanson would drink uh, Southern Pecan. I feel like he he would only drink Budweiser.
2: But yeah, uh, that's pretty. Actually, he drinks bourbon almost exclusively in the show. Okay,
1: so he, yeah, he doesn't drink. He doesn't. Have you even
2: drink. watched Parks and Rec? No, I haven't. Okay, there there you go. <laughs>
1: I just know that people make Ron Swanson uh, references to bacon and meat and steak all the time. Yeah, so, so yeah, there you it, go. it's
2: a very very. Uh, I'm not sure. Not sure what the word is. Very uh, subtle. It's, it's very the subtle
1: nut brown ale, according to the bottle.
2: Yeah, they should probably take that off the label. <laughs> Anything with the word nut in it the is is a no for me.
1: Nut brown ale, um, all ale brewed with roasted pecans.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh it's so we're good.
1: Gonna, we're gonna give it a good solid four. It's gonna make a great barbecue beer or like after you've cut the grass beer. Um mm-hmm. if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. Um gonna get gonna give it a good solid four luthers So Ooh, there it comes back up a little bit.
2: Yeah, try to keep that down.
1: <laughs> so Lazy Magnolia, great job with uh with Southern Pecan. Uh original pecan nut brown ale, four Luthers. For for uh, Southern Pecan. On our
2: meticulous scale that we spent a lot of time figuring out. A lot out. of seconds developing. Yeah.
1: Many, many seconds. 30 whole seconds. In the words of Donald Trump, our scale is huge.
2: Huge. So, <laughs> what, so what would, um, just for the sake of conversation here, what would a one beer reaction oh, probably be
1: oh a one beer reaction a, a one luther or a one luther my bad a one luther
2: forgot the skill is
1: I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say uh just based off of the the few beers that i have drank over my lifetime i'm gonna go ahead and say that a one luther beer is gonna be natty light
2: that I'm, seems fair i'm gonna go ahead
1: and give natty light one luther that seems fair i don't fair. We're, we're probably never gonna review uh natty light on on this one
2: yeah what we're gonna try to do is not review anything that's too mainstream yeah we're gonna skip Uh, the coors coors budweiser bud light miller yeah natty
1: even though we know that they own all the little guys anyway because but the little guys is where the fun is at it's true it's true craft beer is where the fun is yeah so because that's how you get things like southern pecan
2: yeah
1: i mean there you go yeah so, uh, so yeah, we're going to try to stick uh, stick with smaller, lesser-known, maybe local brewery-type uh, beers. So if you're listening to this and you have a recommendation, um, we're going to give you an email address at the end of this podcast, and we're going to tell you uh, how you can get in contact with us. We would love to hear your recommendations, things that, that uh, maybe you only have in your part of the country. Um, oh, so we should probably tell you, Um, this just, just in the interest of transparency, we want to be transparent as we can, as As transparent as we can. So it's pretty common knowledge that, that churches don't typically endorse drinking beer. Most churches don't. And
2: most churches in a certain part of the country with a certain, uh, from a sermon denomination, (laughs) In a, a certain a, part of the country, with
1: a belt that goes around it, and
2: they're they're typically, typically frowning upon the consumption, use, association, and talk about alcohol and while in we, general,
1: while we disagree with with their view, we uh, we fully agree that they at least have the the right to hold the view that they have, um, but but because we work for a church, we are going to remain anonymous. So. My name is Rick on the podcast, but that is not my real name.
2: My name is Patrick, and that is also not my real name.
1: And we're going to keep this as low-key as we can, because we just want to share good truth from the Bible while also enjoying a good beer. Absolutely. So our voices are going to be a little modulated, and they're going to sound like this, and we hope that's okay.
2: Yeah. And if you've made it this far, then it's probably okay. It probably is. We've been going for what? I can't oh, even read your recorder. Minutes, yeah. So. There you go. So
1: if you make it this far in, then you're pretty much stuck with us. So welcome, welcome to the Bible and beer beers and bible. Wow, podcast. get the name right. Come right. on, dude. We spent like thirty seven seconds thinking this up. You're right. So there you go. So that's that's a, a just a brief about us. We we are doing this anonymously. Um Rick and Patrick are our code names and uh it's yeah. just uh and, just...
2: it, and if you know anything about um, certain individuals whose names might include Rick and or Patrick,
1: <laughs> Please then, keep it to yourself.
2: Then keep it to yourself.
1: <laughs> Please keep it to yourself. But
2: then you will understand so much more about yes. what, why, yes and yes and and the what behind what we're doing here.
1: So, so there you go. So we're going to open each segment with with a review of a beer we've we've reviewed. Southern Pecan Southern Pecan has a great taste. Mm-hmm. Um I light. I'm thoroughly it's, enjoying it. It's it's light. It's uh like I said it's I feel like it's something that I could drink on a on an afternoon, a lazy afternoon or maybe an afternoon after I've cut the grass and and not feel like uh I'm drinking motor oil because there are some beers that that feel like motor oil to me. Yeah.
2: And it's also not too sweet. Um so not yeah. pecan so, pie. So uh,
1: Southern Pecan we give you 4 Luthers. And, yeah. and this is our review of Feather the We hope enjoy it. Yeah. So, for the second half of this, uh, this podcast, each maybe week, we're hoping for, to do this every week, we're going to talk about some type of Bible doctrine or some type of Bible study or Bible lesson because we enjoy learning and talking about the Bible. So to open up this podcast, the Beers and Bible Podcast, we both felt like the only topic we could really hit was what does the Bible actually say about the consumption of alcohol? What does it say about uh, drinking in general, drunkenness, all this kind of stuff? And we're going to use an article uh, written by Mr. Greg Price. And if you go to the internets and you search the Googles and you say, uh i want to know what the bible says search the topic of the bible and alcoholic beverages and this article will more than likely pop up it's from a website called reformed presbytery um, and it's written by a guy named greg price and it was written in 1995 and the website has not been updated since 1995
2: accurate statement
1: so um greg price if you hear this we love your article we think it's great and we also want you to update the website and maybe make it a little bit cooler. If that's your kind of thing.
2: If it's not, that's fine. Um, so what we're going to do with this article is use it as the foundation for everything we're going to talk about in this podcast series. However long it goes. If it, however long it goes. A million episodes. I hope so. And at the same time, not at all.
1: Dude, a million episodes.
2: Would be a, a lifetime of, po- t- of podcasts.
1: <laughs> So, yeah, so go ahead and listen and share, um, and we'll we'll give you more info on that later. So, this article starts off, and it introduces uh, five different scenarios. Now, we're not going to hit all these different scenarios, but I do want to hit maybe one or two of them. So, we'll go with the very first one, is, is you are out to eat at a local restaurant. You happen to see one of the fellow members of your congregation sipping from a glass of wine. What should you think, say, or do?
2: Repent, sinner, Repent! <laughs> Repent! You've been
1: drinking the devil's juice.
2: The devil juice is in you. Repent! The spirit of the Lord is not upon you. Hang Repent!
1: On. I need some more southern pecan.
2: Obviously, that's so, not the stance that the beers and Bible that, podcast that is, holds.
1: No, it's not.
2: That was that's um, called comic relief. Yes, and we're going to in- integrate that as we much are, as we can.
1: So I want to give you some so, some insight into who we are as people. We love things like the Babylon Bee. Love you, Babylon B. We hope you sponsor us. Um, everything's going to be a push for sponsorship. So just... At ready. least
2: until we have sponsorship. Yeah. Once we have sponsorship, we'll stop pushing. Maybe. Probably not, actually.
1: <laughs> so, but we love satire. We love comedy. Um, we love talking about things in comedic ways. And lightheartedly, we're lighthearted folks. And so, so we're going to be lighthearted. And... We hope that's okay with you.
2: Yeah, because I, I don't believe that the Bible should be 100% serious all the time. You obviously approach it with reverence, and you obviously a- approach it um, from an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness for what God has done in your life. But at the same time, I feel like people are so uh, black and white negative, black and white uh you know uh,
1: I think the term is legalistic.
2: Yeah, that that's a good word. That's a good word for it. <laughs> that's, that's but there are so many people who are legalistic and say this is what the Bible says and then you actually read the Bible for yourself and yes. you're like,
1: uh, so, so so here's the thing about legalism, like legalism goes in every direction. You can be legalistic towards not consuming alcohol and you can be legalistic towards consuming alcohol. And and you'll understand what i what i mean by that as we get get through this article right um so let's let's pick one more of these these i'm gonna go with let's go with c because i like c it's fun it says suppose you are sipping a glass of wine they love the wine for some reason i don't know why because it was was written
2: 30 years ago probably (laughs)
1: probably so you're sipping a glass of wine at your favorite restaurant and you're approached again by a fellow member who says i am offended that you drink that wine, what should you think, say or do? Mind your own business. I'm free in Jesus, so we've got we've got the you walking up on a, a church member and a church member being offended by you drinking wine. That's our two that's our two uh, scenarios that we're going to roll with uh, in in the consumption of alcohol. and if you want to substitute, maybe we should have substitute beer since this is the beer and Bibles podcast.: Yeah,
2: probably so. Good call.
1: Uh, so yeah, substitute beer. okay, here we go. So, what should you do? So, let's break this down, and what we're going to do is we're going to take three different positions. We're going to take each position and look at it from what Scripture actually teaches. So, but before we get to that part, I just want to, I want to lay it out there. We are, because, you know, we're rating, according to Luther's, we are Protestant. Um, both of us are Protestant, and, and so we, we adhere to, to what would be called, what would be labeled Protestant theology, um, we believe in, in the authority of Scripture. So everything that we say, we want to try to back up with Scripture. We want to try to support it from what Scripture actually teaches. What does it say? What does it teach us to do? How does it teach us to live our life? So the authority is going to come from Scripture. Um, we, we will try to seek to apply that, and, and if we get it wrong, we hope you will email us and tell us where we got it wrong and say, I think you guys are way off base. But it's just from our own study, our own searching, that we come to these conclusions, and we're going to throw them out here on this podcast. So I, I just want to lay out that we, we are Bible-believing, Scripture-alone, Protestant, theologian wannabes.
2: Very accurate statement, <laughs> especially the theologian wannabe part. Theologian wannabes, yes. That is... all theologian wannabes. Yes, and look at uh, that.
1: It's raining. It's raining here today because we're in America. Good luck. <laughs> so the three positions um, that are typically uh, put forth from people claim that they're scriptural, people say, you know, I believe the Bible and this is my position. The three positions that we want to go for, uh, the first one is the prohibitionist, and the prohibitionist uh, strictly believes that scripture absolutely prohibits alcoholic beverage to all Christians. So they they are prohibitionist could possibly be known um, as, as a teetotaler. Um, they believe that alcohol in any way, shape, or form is wrong. Uh, they believe that Scripture teaches that it's wrong. Scripture says that it's wrong, and, and that is their... Position. Uh, give us the second position.
2: Okay, so our second position. We just had a prohibitionist. Second position is going to be the abstention abstentionist abstentionist abstentionist. <laughs> words is hard. Remember that words is hard. So abstentionist view. Um, they believe that alcoholic beverages are not expressly forbidden in scripture, um, which we agree with that part. But they also say that it is wise for all Christians to refrain from using them.
1: So this is probably the most common position in churches today. Um, especially, I'll hear this uh, from pastors. They'll say, "Scripture doesn't say you should not consume alcohol. Scripture doesn't say you should not drink, but we believe it is wise." And we're gonna we're gonna dive into this and, and how we feel about this position here in just a little bit. Um, but it's it's probably this. I would say is probably the most common um, position of church. Going people and especially like the most common position among church staff people um, is they believe it's just not wise and and is there reason to believe that there probably is some reason but we're, we're going to dive into that in a little bit the third position that we want to bring up uh, is going to be the moderationist position and that is that scripture commends the use of alcohol uh, and alcoholic beverages to all Christians, if used moderately, and and I want to stress that part that if used moderately, because that is going to kind of be the crux of a lot of what we talk about uh, going through this article. Is is it used moderately, and and I think we can all agree that Scripture teaches us that that anything that we do in excess is is leads to or is a sin. Yeah, uh, and I think the prime example I would use of that is is gluttony. Yeah. Um, scripture specifically says that gluttony is a sin. Scripture specifically says that drunkenness is a sin. Now, it's it's in, it's important to remember gluttony. Uh, gluttony is is overeating. Gluttony is overeating uh, food or something. It, it's overindulging in food. And you don't want to, and you end up hurting your body because of the excess amounts of food that you eat. So, so we would agree, yes, overeating, overindulgence in food is wrong. But that doesn't mean you should quit eating food.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> because it, it, steak is good. Yeah, steak and mashed potatoes are great, especially with a southern pecan from Lazy, Lazy Magnolia. Magnolia. Plug. So, yes, it, the, the, the key with the moderationist view is are you doing it in excess? Are you doing it uh, in moderation? Are you making the decision before you begin consuming alcohol where your stopping point is? And do you have that self-control?
1: There you go. And so that, that really gets us to our, our first position that, that we can say this is kind of the first thing. This is the overarching theme that all three of these positions hold. And that's going to be that drunkenness is a sin. Um, Paul tells the the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5, he says, uh, do not be drunk with wine. So he's he's telling them, do not be drunk. And then you can say that it is wrong, it is sinful to be drunk. And and we would absolutely affirm and we would absolutely agree with
2: that. 100%. 100% would agree with that.
1: So let's let's take this let's go each position real quickly and let's break it down and see see where this this falls out. So the prohibitionist position uh holds to the position that that scripture prohibits the use of alcohol by all Christians. It specifically teaches that consuming alcohol is wrong. And I would just simply call baloney.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh
1: because you can't read the Bible and get to that, especially if you've ever read any part of the Old Testament at all. So what we're going to do, let's let's just go through a few of these words that are used. Um, We'll start with the Old Testament, words that are used, um, and and what they are. So the first word is yayan, and and I'm probably going to butcher this, even though um, I have taken Hebrew, I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, so just forgive me. Uh, so the first word is yayan, which is a common word for wine. Again, this was alcoholic wine. This was wine that had been fermented. Um, if you want to debate uh, the, the actual alcohol content, that's a different story. But what we're talking about is a beverage that contained a content of alcohol because it had been fermented. And, and that is specifically wine. Then you have the word tiroche. Now, tirosh is, is translated new wine. <clears throat> and again... The same thing here. this is it's, this is a type of alcoholic uh, wine that would that would have been consumed by people in the Old Testament. Um, we got the, the word Hamer, um, which is wine in the Chaldean language. And then we've got Sobe, which is translated as wine, liquor uh, and drunken in the Old Testament. Give us the next one.
2: Uh, so, we got uh, Misek, which is a wine mixed with spices. I gave um, it up because
1: I knew you'd mess it up.
2: Oh, really? Cool. <laughs> nice. Thanks for that. Uh, so, I uh, am not a Bible scholar by any stretch of the imagination um, and constantly butcher Hebrew, <laughs> Greek, Aramaic, any words like that at all.
1: So, rule, rule of thumb, whenever you say words in, in Hebrew, you should always make sure you talk from the back of your throat. So, it's Misek. <laughs> there we go. Um. So so you have mosaic. Got to give
2: me have, a softball every now and then, Every dude. now and
1: then, yeah. Uh, and then we have mishra, um, which is the juice of grapes. And then we get, we're going to skip over here to the New Testament. <clears throat> New Testament words. Some of them are similar. You got the the big main word is the word oinos. That's kind of the one that that all the debate centers around. Um, some people say that oinos means non-alcoholic. Um, I I would just disagree with that. I don't think there's any support for that position. Um, inside of Scripture, and especially when you include extra biblical sources. Now, we're not saying that extra biblical extra biblical sources give authority to Scripture, but if if the context says that oinos means uh, means alcoholic wine and bible uses oinos then there's no reason to assume that the bible writer meant something different than than a a typical writer of that day
2: right because because the bible says what it means and means what it says
1: words mean things I, i used to have i used to have a professor that would always say he had two things he said read your bible and words mean things and and they always stuck with me so so i i try to read my bible and i try to remember that words mean things um and I want to give one more example from the Old Testament, and and this one this one is one that I've heard before, um, and and Patrick here is going to help us out. He's gonna he's gonna give us the the I haven't heard this version. Um, so the Nazarite vow. What do you know about the Nazarite vow?
2: Okay, so the Nazarite vow. Um, in case you haven't wondered, we did not uh, plan really.
1: This is not scripted.
2: This is not scripted at all. If, so the Nazarite vow. If
1: it wasn't obvious in the first twenty eight minutes, this is not scripted.
2: Yeah. So. Um, the Nazarite vow is, um, yeah, mm mm-hmm,
1: good. Okay, so the Nazarite vow <laughs> uh, in the Old Testament was a vow that somebody would take where they would put off um, anything related to the vine. Now, now I want to be very clear about this. This does not mean, like, you don't eat grapes, you don't drink wine. This means, like, you don't go near a vineyard, you don't touch wine, you don't eat food that has been mixed with wine or food that has grapes in it. You do absolutely nothing from anything related to grapes. So full blown abstention from all things grapes. Now what's also included in the Nazarite vow, and so that's you know, that's that sounds like a prohibitionist view. But what's also included in the Nazarite vow is you can't go around dead people.
2: So that's like if you're Brother or dad dies, you can't go to the if, funeral. If you,
1: yeah, if you have taken the Nazarite vow and your father passes away, you cannot go to your father's funeral without breaking your Nazarite vow. That's how strict and I mean the Nazarite vow was even more strict than the vow that priests would take uh, and so so you end up with this this super super constrictive uh, vow, this very very tight vow that that is meant for somebody who is dedicating a specific period of time. To the lord they're they're dedicating their life to the service and the work of the lord during this time of the Nazarite vow um, the other thing you couldn't do and and this would be a huge problem in churches today is you couldn't cut your hair and we all know that if you don't cut your hair you are obviously a raging hippie who just does nothing but smoke drugs all day
2: it's accurate actually <laughs> i know a lot of people with long hair who just do nothing but smoke drugs
1: so let's re- i mean uh Samson, Samson took the Nazar. Actually, Samson had the Nazarite vow from birth, right? And then uh, there's another example. I think Joshua is the other example. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and, and do a little bit more reading. But needless to say, the Nazarite vow was so constrictive that you, that you would not be able to participate in basically everyday life. Um, and so so to use the argument of the Nazarite vow really goes against what you know what. Scripture teaches about the Nazarite vow because they're they're plucking only the the idea of not drinking or not being associated with alcoholic beverages. that's all they're plucking out of that. they're not including the other two.
2: This is the same tactic used by um legalist church members to say you shouldn't get tattoos because Leviticus says, "Yes, don't make marks on your flesh for the dead
1: exactly so everybody go get tattoos, yeah,
2: and... <laughs>
1: tat it up. <laughs> So so when we, when we think about the words uh, that are used for alcoholic beverages in the New Testament, and then we think about um, some uh, an example, um, and, and since we use the Nazarite vow in the Old Testament, I'll quickly point out the, uh, the very first miracle of Jesus in the New Testament, which is Jesus turning water into Welch's.
2: I don't think that's how, how it, it went down.
1: Wait, was Welch's not around back then?
2: No, Welch's uh, came to be in the early tw- uh, 1900s, I believe in a wait hang on in america is that not right oh you're right huh what did jesus turn that stuff into? oh it was wine oh That's yeah right. you're right wine. wine
1: and it was the good wine so you know if you read the story they run out of wine and the the head guy of the is like uh my reputation is toast you got to fix this and and one of the ladies there looked at jesus and is like hey you want to fix this problem and he's like Woman, well, I why are you bringing me into this? I, this is—it's not my time yet. Right. But okay. Yeah. Jesus
2: didn't just them. go down to the store and get like two bottles. He—he he no. made 170 a hundred and seventy gallons of lot.
1: wine. So he makes a lot. But it wasn't just like your everyday run-of-the-mill wine. It was the good, like it was the aged stuff. Right. So when you're the son of God and you can do stuff like that, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of fun because you can be like, "Oh, I'm going to make the good stuff." Yeah.
2: Also and- also um so the the guy who was in charge of the wedding would have had the uh his best wine out first. Correct?
1: True story. He would have had his best so, wine
2: out and then yeah, brought so out weaker they, stuff when so they when run when out.
1: everybody gets sloshed. Yeah. At the party, that's when you bring out the the natty light. If we're talking about beer, you bring out the like, one first, Luther's first. You serve your four and five Luther's. You serve your Southern pecans. And then when you run out of Southern pecans and the majority of your guests are sinning and being drunk, because we do believe being drunk is a sin. Then when you, after you've run out of Southern pecan, then you go and you get your natty lights and you're like, all right, fine here, drink this stuff. And,
2: and we're and, not saying there's anything wrong with you. If you do drink natty light, you just don't have a soul.
1: No, there's something wrong with you. Okay. <laughs> I will gladly say that that yeah. Anyway, so so you have this this concept of wine being used in scripture. You have this concept of alcoholic beverages being used in scripture, and and to that point, I think it's safe to say that that scripture does not expressly condemn the consumption of alcohol, and and in fact, there are examples where alcohol is. Encouraged in the Old Testament, they had to bring alcohol as an offering to the Lord, and I think this is a pretty significant point here. The only things that could be brought before the Lord were things that were ceremonially pure, right so when you had to bring a drink offering, you had to bring something that was pure now if you're bringing wine, it's pure wine so I mean right. you're bringing the good stuff to the Lord
2: so why don't uh, pastors preach that part of it
1: because that's not it doesn't make for good preaching
2: but that's what the bible says and the bible says what it means and means what it says right is well that, is that do we believe that or not
1: uh, sometimes we do we want to give you a few examples here the first one here is uh, scripture condemns drunkenness drinking alcoholic beverages can lead to drunkenness therefore scripture condemns the drinking of alcoholic beverages so that is your typical um if you bold it down into very succinct statements that is your typical prohibitionist view Scripture prohibits it because it can lead to something. Okay. Right. And I think so, the,
2: the, the focus on that whole phrase can be or is the phrase can lead to. Yes. Like X so, can lead to Y, therefore get rid of X.
1: Exactly. So so let's let's take this logic exactly like they have it and 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 when you when you take logic classes you learn to use what's called counterexamples to really test to see if your logic plays out, to see if your logic makes sense. So let's just apply it to another scenario. Let's use gluttony. We all agree gluttony is a sin. So Scripture condemns gluttony. Fair statement. I will go with that. Eating food can lead to gluttony. Also a true statement. I'll lead to that. So therefore, Scripture condemns all eating food. Yeah. No no steak for you. That's what the Scripture says, right? In the words of Saturday Night Live, no soup for you. I thought it was Seinfeld. I don't know. (laughs)
2: Pop culture references will not be a focal point of our podcast. <laughs> no, they
1: won't. If they are, they will be wrong. Uh, so probably. So we we obviously would not agree with that statement. You know, we wouldn't say that scripture condemns eating food simply because the fact that gluttony is a sin. Um, another example here. This is this is a fun one. So scripture condemns the abuse of authority. I would also agree with that statement. Parents have abused their authority. Again, that's a statement I would agree with. Therefore, Scripture condemns parental authority.
2: Yeah, that's what it says, right?
1: <laughs> so, if Scripture condemns parental authority, why do we have to obey our parents? Oh, there's that. Ephesians there's a com- six, one verse. There's and also there's a commandment that says, honor, commandment. honor, honor your father honor and your mother mm-hmm. in the Lord, for this is good, and may your days be long. So, you can't about, you can't fight Scripture with Scripture. So <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> so, what we're trying to show here. Is that this argument, this type of reasoning, does not hold up. Uh, it, it it just you can't say things about scripture that scripture does not say, and so, um, so so, what we end up with is is this faulty position from the prohibitionist view that that scripture cannot teach the prohibition of scripture. So the next view. The next step down prohibition the Prohibition of alcohol. The prohibition of alcohol, yeah. What did I say?
2: You said, Scripture cannot teach the prohibition of Scripture.
1: That was wrong. Scripture cannot teach the prohibition of alcohol. There we go. Good, good catch. Good catch. The next rung down the ladder, if we head the, to the next step down the ladder, we end up at the abstentionist view. And this is where, again, this is where your more popular arguments have come into place today. And this is the view that says... Okay, just because Scripture doesn't expressly condemn it doesn't mean that Christians sh- should do it. And I would agree with that statement. Just because Scripture doesn't condemn it doesn't mean that Christians can do it. But that also doesn't mean that, scriptures, that, that Scripture is
2: for can... abolishing altogether.
1: Exactly. And and, and it's and you can't apply one rule in one place and then not in another place. Right. And so So this is where we're going to play this abstentionist view out. Um, and just to just to re kind of recap the abstentionist view this this view says that alcoholic beverages are not expressly forbidden in Scripture yet it is wise that all Christians abstain from using them and so this is where you end up with arguments like um, it'll ruin your witness um, you have weaker brothers out there you have it's it's a bad representation of Christ um, all of these types of arguments that really. More or less, kind of appeal to your feelings um, and what you personally believe. So, so we we can say that we know that scripture does not condemn consuming alcohol or consuming alcoholic beverages. So, is it wrong for me to consume them according to scripture? No. Agreed. 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 Okay.
2: According to scripture, does not expressly say that Rick cannot consume alcohol.
1: Yes because Rick definitely is drinking Lazy Magnolia Southern Pecan today and it is yeah, it's 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 still a 4 it's still it by the end of this it may be a 5 I don't know we will see yeah we'll see um but you one of the arguments that we that we hear so often is is the weaker brother argument you have a weaker brother or you're going to be a stumbling block for somebody else you're going to be a stumbling block um, in their life. And and I think this is where you have to use a little bit of wisdom mm-hmm. mixed in. And for I sure. And think, I think this is where every situation, even those who would consume alcohol, need to be very, very, very careful. Um, is it okay for you to drink alcohol? Yes. Should you drink alcohol in any situation, every situation, you need to use wisdom. Right. That's where, that's where I would say you need to use wisdom. Um, but the problem with this, this weak brother argument or this um, stumbling stone argument is that it binds your conscience. Somebody else is binding your conscience um, by a standard other than the Word of God. Now, we said from the very beginning, our standard is going to be the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? Right. And if that's what it says, then that's the end of the story. So, so if, if I say that something causes me to sin— if you having a beer causes me to sin or causes me to, I don't know, want to drink, but I don't want, I don't, you know, I think it's wrong. Then you're obviously a stumbling block to me. Is that right?
2: If I drink, I'm a stumbling block to you.
1: Yeah. That's Um, what I believe. Does that make you a stumbling block?
2: I, I, I don't think that the person drinking can be held responsible for the, um, what happens in the person who's struggling's?
1: But wait, guns kill people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't. Bad people kill people.
1: It's, it's uh, I say that, but that's basically the argument is, is you're binding your, somebody else's conscience based off of your authority, not what scripture says. Now, right. if you want to come and say that in the book of third hesitations, it says thou shalt not drink. Then we're you know and hesitations is a is a legitimate book of the Bible which it's not, um, then then we have a different conversation on our hands. But nowhere in Scripture does it condemn alcohol. Now Scripture does speak about alcohol. Scripture does say things like wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. It does say those things in the book of Proverbs. But you have to remember those are encouraging people to wisdom. They're encouraging the wise use of those things. Right. So you have to remember. Just because something can hurt you, just because something has the ability to hurt you, doesn't mean you're forbidden from using that thing. Right. We would say the same thing about fire. We use Yes. Fire. I mean, I would be willing to bet that somebody has a gas cooktop in their house, so they use fire to cook their food. Fire can burn down your house. So according to that same logic, you would say, well, oh, fire can burn down your house, so why would you even put fire in your house? Why have a fireplace? Why have these things? Right. So the, the argument, that that type of argument just doesn't really follow. It, it doesn't line up with what Scripture teaches. And, and and so somebody else becomes the authority. When you take the abstentionist view, mm-hmm. that person becomes the authority. Right. Instead of Scripture.
2: Right. I do think it's also important to, to just sit here for a second. Anytime someone tries to use Proverbs to explain it, what you should and should not do um because they say things like wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler um i think Mm -hmm. it's important to remember that proverbs in and of themselves are not promises from god it's true they are guidelines for living They're wisdom they're they're, they're they're you know little little bits of wisdom to use for you to apply apply to your own life
1: so so when you when you say wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler
2: the way I interpret that is don't abuse wine and don't abuse beer.
1: Basically, that yeah, you have to be careful with those things. The same way you have to be careful with fire.
2: Yeah, or water or You don't not use fire
1: because it'll burn your house down. So you, it's not it's not a prohibition on, al- on alcohol, and it's not somebody else using that to say you should be prohibited from using alcohol, or it's not wise for you to use alcohol. Right. It's saying if you're going to use alcohol— then you need to be very, very careful with it. And I would agree with that statement that we do need to be very careful with alcohol. Um, we, need to, we need to make sure that we are keeping the fruits of the Spirit that Galatians tells us about, that we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control, I think, is the key to that whole thing. Um, and so, so if you have self-control, then, then you know, you're going to not abuse alcohol. If you're showing self-control, if you're showing the fruits of the spirit, right? So, um, one other point that I want to that I want to bring up here is is when we when we talk about the consumption of alcohol, we are specifically talking about the lawful consumption of alcohol. Okay, we are not talking about parents who are buying beer for their thirteen and fourteen year olds to have a house party, which is dumb, which is dumb and against the law. And, um, and and it's a sin, right? So, so what we're saying is in no way condoning that type of activity. So right. I want to be very very clear about that. Right. We are talking about the lawful use of alcohol, and this is why. I if I have if I sit down with a, you know, sixteen or seventeen year old that I am that I am discipling or that I am talking, that I'm teaching the word to, and I look at them and I say. You cannot drink alcohol. That is a true statement that I can support from scripture because that person is under age mm-hmm. and scripture teaches us to obey the laws of the land. Right. So at that point, we're not talking about specifically alcohol. We're talking about obeying the laws of the land as applied to alcohol.
2: Right. The same, it's the same logic that applies to why you can't get your driver's license until you're 16, why you can't vote until you're 18. Yes. Um, those things in and of themselves, if you are doing them before the age of, before the age that the law, that the land has said is the legal requirement for you to attain before you can do it, then you're breaking the law and you're sitting against God. Yes. But alcohol, uh, it you know, if you're not 21 in, or whatever the age of, whatever the legal age for you to have it is in where you are, um, if you're not that age, you are obligated by your commitment to God to not consume it until you turn that age. Yes. It would have been sinful for me to drink alcohol of any kind before I turned 21.
1: What we're talking about here is is this uh, this idea of conscience that people try to bind their conscience. And one of the main reasons that people try to do this is because of what we call, what we would say, the possibility of abuse. Um, and, and and I don't want to underplay this at all, and I want you to... This will be a moment where we actually do get a little bit serious. I am perfectly aware of what alcohol has done to some families, okay um, I know of people who have been abused by their fathers who were drunks, and I know of people who um, grew up in a house of drunks and and i I, I empathize with them and I understand why they feel the way they do about alcohol. And I could even understand why that person would say, I'm not going to have any alcohol because they have, they've had a bad, think about like getting food poisoning, right? If you get food poisoning. You don't want to eat what you, what gave you food poisoning ever again, right? Because of the horrible experience that you had with food poisoning. But that doesn't mean that somebody else can't go eat the food. Right. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say because I had food poisoning that you should not eat that food. Right. And so, so I think you, you just have to be very, very careful here about how you apply your own personal beliefs to other people. Um, and you have, to, you have to make sure that you're staying with what Scripture teaches um, and you're being consistent. Uh, because if you're not being consistent with what Scripture teaches, then, then really and truly you're being unbiblical. Right. And, and I, I think you just you have to be careful. So, so we've talked a little bit about the prohibitionist. We've talked a little bit about the abstentionist. I think we spent a, enough time on that. There's, there's this, the article goes into way more depth than what we have covered here. Yes. Um, but, and it does a, it does a fantastic job yeah. of doing it. Absolutely.
2: Too. If you, if you are interested or want to take the time to look into it, yeah. l- look for it online. Um, yeah. It's available out there online for free
1: you can download it you can print it off you yeah. can you can use it i have i have passed it to several people who have asked me you know can you summarize your view or can you give me a resource this is probably the number 1 resource that i recommend to people because of how thorough it is and also how clear and concise it is at the same time so it doesn't get really bogged down into into a lot of detail but it goes into enough detail so that you feel like you have a good understanding of what what the bible says um so we end up saying that the the prohibitionist view obviously can be discounted from actual scripture because scripture in in areas commends the use of alcohol. Actually
2: so, <laughs> God commands it by saying, "Hey, bring it bring it bring some wine before me as a sacrifice." Yeah. Bring
1: wine before me as a sacrifice. Paul tells Timothy to take wine for his stomach problems. Yep. Um and so so just
2: turns water into wine and not just cheap wine not not, not the box wine love. this was like chardonnay this is <laughs> the good love. stuff
1: um but there's there's one more point that i want to make um and this is it, they kind of hit on this in the in the article but not really um the way that that i have thought about this and and uh, this is uh, if you're if you're an abstentionist and i i hope you are and i hope you've listened to this whole thing uh, all the way through because we just we want you to understand where our position is. So, if you are an abstentionist, and and you say it's not wise for for a Christian to drink, or, but there's no, there it's not a sin, okay? Um, now, the people who would say it is a sin to drink, I think you have to lump them in with the prohibitionists, and and I don't, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave them out of this this conversation. And and I have heard this statement from several pastors. I've heard this statement from several nationally recognized pastors, where they would say something like, the Bible does not condemn the consumption of alcohol. And then they tag something on there and they say, but I wish Scripture did. Or they say something like, but... Uh, and then you you insert this other argument, right? Okay.
2: So so they're admitting that scripture is not sufficient in and of itself, exactly. based on what they exactly. personally believe about so, certain topics.
1: Scripture does not support their belief, and they're upset about it. And and if you're an abstentionist, I I want you to hear me in this in this position. I want you guys to understand where somebody like myself would come from as a moderationist. I want you to. Um, understand that it is not wrong to casually or moderately drink, okay? Um, The same way that it's not wrong to eat a really good meal until you are so full that you have to unbutton your pants. Right. (laughs) Like Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know? Or like Friday nights. But if you, yeah, or Friday nights. But if you do that every single meal, every single day, every single time you sit down at a meal, then you probably have an issue with food. And you need to right. think about that. And you need to figure out how to control yourself. Right. So we we acknowledge that um, alcoholism is a problem. Drunkenness is a problem. We are not supporting drunkenness. We are not supporting alcoholism. But what we're saying is that Scripture does not condemn alcohol consumption, and and that is why we end up with moderationist views. And if you're if you're going to apply the type of logic that we've talked about. Um, consistently, and you apply it to things like food, or clothing, or, or learning, or authority, and when we talked about parental authority, you know, you end up with, with the, these flawed views of really and truly everything when you apply it consistently. Right. And so, you end up with a, a big problem. So, you can't apply this logic consistently, um, and so, therefore, you have to, you have to step back and think about your position. Now, you can have your own belief. You can say, For me, I am not going to consume alcohol. That is your own right to have that position.
2: Right. The the issue becomes when you start pouring your position out and expect other people to take your position. Yes. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe that scripture backs that up.
1: Yeah. When you bind somebody else's conscience based off of your own belief, it goes back to the point we made. You're binding somebody else's conscience on an authority other than scripture right and martin luther would be very upset with you yes that is why he stood at the diet of worms in 1521 and he said unless i'm convinced by sound reason and scripture and he's talking to the leaders of the catholic church right he's talking about justification by faith law he said unless you convince me from scripture not from your not from your personal views or your opinions but unless you convince me from scripture here I stand. I can do no other.
2: Yeah, that's and, a good word.
1: And and so there there we are. We have our Luther's. We give Southern Pecan four Luther's, and we say that Scripture teaches the moderate consumption of alcohol, and we agree that Scripture teaches the moderate consumption of alcohol. And and so when we we let's wrap this all back around. Um, we we have our two two views. The first view was um, you see one of your uh, congregation member, friends from church, and they're drinking wine in a restaurant, what do you do? Um, Patrick over here said you go over to him and, and point out him and call them sinners.
2: Yeah, that's what you do, right? <laughs>
1: uh, I think the more appropriate thing would just be to go over there and say, man, it's good to see you out. It's good to see you're having a good time. Maybe he's, uh, maybe this, it's a husband and wife together, and they're enjoying a dinner alone. It's good to see you out. I yeah. hope you Have a great night. And you go onto your table and you eat your food. And, yeah, and nobody is hurt because nobody because has because ultimately
2: to the actions of another person are not uh, anything to do like don't affect you at all. Exactly. They're they're not they're not saying everyone have a drink. They're not saying you know if yes. you believe that it's sinful yeah. to drink or whatever.
1: Now, if that person came over to you and said, "Hey, you have to drink this,"
2: that is the same issue as the. Uh, abstentionists and prohibitionists.
1: So there you go. So we're we're equal opportunity appliers of logic. Did I just make that? I don't know. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so the other the other position is that that somebody is offended. Uh, they see you drinking a glass of wine or a beer, right? And they're offended, and they come up to you and they say, "I'm offended." What do you do in that situation?
2: Well, I think the first thing you do is uh, thank them for approaching for approaching you immediately, mm-hmm. not letting the situation fester. Yeah. Um. And then second, you um, just invite them to uh, study the scripture and uh, acknowledge that you personally believe in the moderation view. You believe that um, in moderation, things are good, just as um, in excess, things are bad. The same way that fried chicken can make you 900 pounds if you eat 20 pounds of it a day. It's true. Um, you know, drinking a 24-pack a of beer a day will, will lead to problems, but having one beer or a glass of wine with your dinner. Um, yeah, you know, that's your prerogative to have.
1: Yes, it is. So there's where we're gonna leave you. Uh that's our two positions. Um where can they find us on the Instagram if they wanted to search us out.
2: So if you go to our if you go to Instagram and uh search uh Beers and Bible underscore, that will be our uh Instagram page will that's, we'll, our, Instagram that's page. our Instagram page. We'll yeah. be posting things there. Um,
1: we have a Twitter handle, but I don't know what it is.
2: Cool, we'll look I'll that up a, later. I'll add
1: the Twitter handle later, later. Um, but you can find us on Instagram. That's probably where we'll be be listing most of our stuff anyway. That will on... be
2: the will be the most active there. We'll beers. interact with the people there.
1: Yes, beers and Bible underscore on Instagram. And we hope to see you. Send us messages, uh, send us your thoughts, and we will talk to you next time around on the Beers and Bible podcast.
0: See you. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers & Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.